So today we're going to talk about the nine that is patience. What does it look like to have the fruit of the Spirit that is patient in our lives? I'm sure many of you come here today, and if you're like me, one of the things I'm asking for 2019 is for God to make me more patient. Patient with others, patient with his work in my life. I pray that he shows me his nature and patience, that I understand that God is very slow to anger and um, long-suffering and all those things. I know that we as a people and many people are hungry to understand that God is patient. I mean, our most listened to sermon in 2018 was God is patient was the title. And people are just hungry to know that we have a loving father like that, to know the nature of God. And I'm here to encourage you today that our God reveals himself as patient and he can grow us in patience, and we can experience that. So we're talking about the nine, the fruit of the Spirit over the next few weeks. We started with love, and we talked about peace last week, and we'll talk about patience today. We're always hitting in each intro, there's a few things you're going to hear from me in each intro. The heart of what we're, our goal and what we're praying for. I think Pastor John Stott, a very influential 20th century pastor, and I'm going to say this every intro, really helps us to see the heart of what we're praying for as a church family. He would pray this prayer every morning, every morning. And I would encourage you, I, I've kind of instituted it into my disciplines. And I find it very helpful to pray it most mornings. He'd pray, Heavenly Father, help me to live in your presence and please you more and more. Jesus, help me to take up my cross and follow you. And Holy Spirit, fill me with yourself. And cause the fruit of the Spirit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The nine we are talking about. I want us to get the heart of patience today. And I'm going to share this story that I share once in a while. But it's, I think it's a parable, a modern day parable that shows off the patience. It's from the Vet Chronicles, the, a parable. Parable of the, my father-in-law, Joe Vet Chronicles of Patience. I break those out. There's a whole parable set that comes from those real-life stories. But there was a bush in my yard. This bush wasn't with the symmetry of the rest of the yard. You understand me? So every day I drive home, I pull in, I see this bush, and I say, i got to rip that bush out of my front yard because it doesn't look right. I have not been given the gift of landscaping. I've worked many years to love mowing grass and weeding bushes. It just is not my gift. Maybe it's yours. It is my father-in-law's gift. He comes alive like springs in like 36 days. He's just going to rip off his shirt, walk out in jeans, just, just stand in the yard and look at bushes and start trimming stuff and come in with just like, life is so good. We're blessed, Joey. And I'm like, I don't feel that. Can you impart that to my life? And so I called in the vet to help me with this bush. But I'm in my late 20s, so I have an unhealthy view of my strength. I think I can do anything. I'm strong enough to do anything. So I show up irritated because i got to work on a Saturday, frustrated, and I'm looking at this bush with no tools. Joe Vec shows up with an 1884 shovel that's been passed down from three generations of Italian landscapers from the mother country. 
but somehow is in perfect shape with no rust on it and is stronger than any shovel you've ever used in your life. And he's standing there with a smile on his face like we get to do landscaping today. I'm like, no, let's get this over as quick as possible. (laughs) I look at this bush and I grab it and I pull it and I'm grunting, sweating, cutting, pulling, trying to get this bush out of the ground and I just pull back like it's not getting out, right? Joe looks at me. And he says something that was so transformational in me when it comes to patience. He said, you're trying to do something in 30 seconds that's going to take us a half an hour. And during this season of my life, when I was having trouble understanding the patience of God, it spoke to me in my heart, even though it was just an everyday story. Because I acted like God growing me, God growing others around me, God fulfilling his plan in my life. I felt like my whole life was like ripping at this bush, sweating. It's not coming out. What's wrong? It's not coming out because you cannot manhandle a bush that's been there for 30 years and 30 seconds. I don't care what kind of breakfast you have. You're not ripping that out. So know what happened? Joe stepped in. Now picture this slower than I can even explain it. He put the shovel in the ground. He stepped on it. Did one. Then he moved. And I'm like, oh, man, i got to get involved here. So I got a tool and I helped. A half an hour later, we pulled that bush out, right? Because patience is needed with the work of God in our life. And patience is needed with the work of God in others' lives. So we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about what does patience look like in a Christian's life, why we should cultivate patience in our life, and how we can cultivate patience in our life. There's three foundational expectations here. One is the metaphor of fruit. What is that? We talk about every week. It grows gradually. It grows gradually. Patience is going to grow so slow in our lives. Secondly, we're not talking about individual fruits so much as we're talking about a cluster of grapes abiding in Christ. So to be loving is to be patient. To be good is to be self-controlled. So if you're a loving person by the grace of God, you're going to be a self-controlled person by the grace of God. If you're a good person by the grace of God, you're going to be a patient person. So it's, when you abide in Christ, all those things will work themselves out in our lives. And thirdly, we don't want to have a debtor's ethic, right? We can never be patient, especially when we talk about patience today. Nothing will get you more impatient than thinking someone owes you something and being mad when they don't give you what you think they owe you, right? Where's the thank you? Where's the money? Where's the affection? Where's the Give me back what I've given you. You can't be patient if you're living according to the debtor's ethic. You can only be patient when you live by the gospel of grace that we get everything in our life is undeserved, right? How patient has God been with us? Have we earned one moment of his patience? No, he's just long-suffering and patient and kind, and we got to take what God, how he's patient with us vertically, and we horizontally, Do that to others. 
We say, God's patient with me, therefore I'm patient with my wife. God's patient with me, therefore I'm patient with my husband. God's patient with me, I need to take that patience, I'm patient toward my children. God's patient with me, therefore I'm patient with people in the RR family. God's patient with me, therefore I'll show off that patience at work. That's the only way, the gospel of grace, maybe you could call it the gospel of patience, as it just shows off the patience of God, and we'll unpack that. So first thing is this, what does the fruit of patience look like in a Christian's life? There's a common phrase used in the Bible, um, you'll see it in 1 Peter and other places, it says growing in godliness, growing in godliness. When we're talking about these fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, etc., these are all godly attributes that are what they say in theologian, communicable to us, except for self-control. And this is just an interesting side thing when we get to self-control. God doesn't need self-control. There's no evil in him. There's no hate in him. God doesn't need that. There's no darkness in him at all. He is not a mere man like us who has um, different sinful passions and work of the flesh. There's no hate in him. There's no, he is just patient, period. He's not battling those works of the flesh. So self-control is the only fruit of the spirit, the manifestation of that, that is not a communicable attribute of God. I just want you guys to hold that into that message. But patience is something God is that can be communicated to us as we commune with him and we can grow in patience as we engage the spirit of God through the power of the gospel. And so the first thing I need for us to understand is God is patient. God doesn't have to be patient, but is who he is. It's not just something he does. It's who he is. He's absolutely patient. Patient. It helps out so much because a lot of times we manifest the imperfections of our own fathers on our heavenly father. Whether you had a great dad or a bad dad, our dads were imperfect. I'm an imperfect dad. We're all imperfect dads. Therefore, our children, we are all our sons and daughters of someone. And so uh, what we do is we see how our dad related to us. And sometimes we think the heavenly father, our heavenly father, is the same way. That he's impatient. So if you had an impatient dad that was yelling at you, or an impatient dad that was always irritated with you, you might tend to think that God's like your dad. Impatient. Or even further, you might think that God just, maybe your dad wasn't even patient. He just didn't pay attention to you. So you think he doesn't even care about what I'm doing. There's many ways that could go, but let's focus on the patience today. God doesn't have any of that work of the flesh, sinful father irritation in him. It's not even part of his person not even part of his person. He doesn't even function like that. He is perfect with no darkness at all. And so the first thing we need to understand is God has revealed himself as patient. And I want to, this is from the God is patient sermon that was preached this year, but I want to revisit just for one second or for a few minutes. The first time God ever revealed he was patient is in Exodus chapter 34 verse 6. And it's important that we understand when God revealed he was patient. He had just freed his people, the nation of Israel, from 400 years of slavery, bondage, hard work under the, one of the most dominant world powers, which was Egypt. He freed them through signs and wonders that we see on different movies like Prince of Egypt, Charlton Heston, Ten Commandments, and the bad Christian Bale movie, right? We've seen 
the story of Moses. God does signs and wonders that have never been seen before or since. Plagues and wonders showing he's God culminating with the parting of the Red Sea. You think that if that happened in your life, you'd never sin again, right? Listen, if I walked down a lake want to pow it, and I was just like, God, you move this side and let people know that I follow you? And I walked through the other side? When I got to the other side, everyone cheered. That dude's never sinning again. He knows there's a God, right? And he's parting Lake Guanapowit. Guess what the people of Israel did right after all those signs and wonders? Moses went up to the top of the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. On his way down, God himself writing with his fingerprints the commandments so that his people could live in harmony and peace. The commandments weren't so they couldn't have fun. The commandments so they learned how to live in a flourishing culture, a flourishing society. Moses is coming down the mountain, receiving the Ten Commandments. God did all those signs and wonders. What do you think the people of Israel were doing? They already made two golden idols to bow down and worship, and they're worshiping those golden statues. In all kinds of immorality, worshiping these statues, debauchery, sinful revelry. revelry. Moses is so upset because he can't believe. He's like, you just saw what your God, our God did? Moses smashes the Ten Commandments. That's his response. Listen, I've I've seen a lot of things smashed. I'd be pretty careful with the Ten Commandments. I mean, God wrote on those bad boys, right? He's just like, I can't believe you're doing this. He smashes the Ten Commandments. You know what God does? And I want to reveal patience here. God says, Moses, come back up to the mountain. I'm going to reveal something to you. And in Exodus 34, 6, it said, the Lord passed before Moses. And then it said, the Lord declared with his own words, Moses, I am merciful and I am gracious. And hear this. I am slow to anger and rich in love. This is what they're doing, but this is who I am. That slow to anger is that long-suffering. That long-suffering is what we talk about patience today. To be godly and to grow in godliness is to be slow to anger. To be godly and to grow in godliness is to be long-suffering. To grow in godliness is to be patient. And it all starts with the nature, nature of our God. He's patient. So we commune in him, with him to grow in patience. And let me just give you a little bit what that would look like in everyday life. I think long-suffering is a good word here. Because when you're patient with someone, it's going to burn in your chest. You're going to feel like, I'm going to go crazy. They're doing it again. I can't stand it. I felt like the macho man a little bit. Yeah, like 80s WWF wrestling came out. Please forgive me. But you're going to feel like that when you're trying to be patient. How I feel when Natalie chews a vegetable at 8 o'clock at night, and it's the most chewy veg. I think it's like a brick. She gets a brick. She sits next to me. I'm trying to watch a Celtic, and she chews. And I basically, in my mind, I just want to swan dive out the window. This really happens to me, and I'm working, I suffer, and I try, and i got tactics now, I'll just leave the room. But she says, you're leaving because I'm chewing. I say, I'm long-suffering. 
But that's how patience is going to feel in our lives. <laughs> I bear. You guys know how the chewing is. Some of you are the chewers and some of you are the listeners, and you both know the pain. <laughs> I bear the fruit of patience in my life, and hear this. When I suffer long, when my children are acting rebellious, yet I still give a soft answer. I bear the fruit of patience when I suffer long by not having a fit of anger when I believe my spouse is acting selfishly. I suffer long, right? I don't counteract with a fit of anger, but I let that sit there and I say I'm going to be patient. I bear the fruit of patience when I suffer long because my friend has said or done something that's hurtful to me and I suffer through it, and I don't retaliate by doing something hurtful to them or saying something hurtful. That's patience. And A.W. Pink gives a wonderful definition here that I think is helpful as we work towards a working definition. A.W. Pink says, the, patient of God, the patience of God is that excellency which causes him to sustain great injuries without immediately avenging himself. That's the patience of God. And where do we see that? We see that in the cross of Christ, right? Jesus sustaining great injury with the power to bring judgment down on everyone. Yet he, will, he does not immediately avenge himself. I mean, the cross of Christ is one of the most beautiful emblems of that God is patient that we could ever see or know. God is patient. And if we're going to contextualize that into God's patience in our life, what it looks like in a Christian's life, it's that fruit of the Spirit that's rooted in God's patience that allows us to suffer long and bear so much emotional stress without avenging ourselves. Do you guys hear that? See, irritability avenges itself, avenges itself immediately, right? We know those works of like, you did it again. I can't stand you. It can go even to, I hate you. And all these things can go in our souls. See, patience says, I still love you. And I'm not going to speak words of retaliation and vengeance. See, that's what we're going for here. We're going for the fruit of the Spirit that is patience, that the people of God in every circumstances, in our families, with our friends and co-workers, we long suffer, we don't retaliate, yet we show much grace. So that's it. Now, why? The question becomes why, because it feels so good to retaliate, doesn't it? It feels so good to retaliate. I'm not letting them win. I'll get the last word. Ah, just say a word, shut the door real quick, they better not say anything else. Why should, and I, I, this is so important right here, one of the main reasons we really want to aspire to grow in patience is we will never see anything of eternal value in our life with eternal meaning, meaning unless you have patience. Some of us are working towards just healthy marriages. You can never have a healthy marriage without patience because you won't stay long enough to show true love. Some of us want to grow as godly parents. 
You can never grow as a godly parent unless you have patience. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you just won't. You, you have to be show off patience as a godly parent. Some of us just want to be good friends. Like, I want to have good friends and be good friends. You will never have good spiritual friendships unless you are patient with people because people will drive you crazy. There's not one of us that doesn't need patience. And when we show patience, we actually get to see God do wonderful things in our friend's life through the years. We will never have godly character unless we have patience. Because like we said, popularity is bought for a song and it's sold for a sparrow. But a, a noble character is built on years of service to the Lord. That's Miss Wigglesworth, old Pentecostal preacher that I enjoyed. He was a trademan, tradesman who preached the gospel. But it takes years and years of patience, of staying around. Just staying around. A lot of us... God is calling us to stay around, be patient enough with friends, family, our husband, our spouses, so we can see the glory of God in their lives. No, even yesterday, I told you the Joe Vec story, and that was about 12 years ago. But I got another Vec parable for you. Two in one, you're back in action. Come on, we got to give a shout out to the Vec. So my faucet kept leaking, like one drip at a time, nonstop, 2,622 2, drips a day on my faucet. Natalie keeps saying, listen, our water bill's going to go up. I said, I don't know about that. How many drips will it take for our water bill to go up? But finally, it was driving me crazy because it was going more and more and more. And so I said, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to fix it myself. So I'm pulling stuff out. I'm stripping screws. If you know what that means, you, you get the wrong screwdriver and you strip the thing out. So I'm just doing all stuff wrong. But I'm, I'm like, I feel like doing this today, so I'm going to give it a shot. Go to Home Depot. I'm trying to find the piece. And the guy says, you should get a plumber. I said, I probably should get a plumber. But I go home, and finally I try one last thing. And by the time I worked on it, the faucet's going the wrong way. It's coming out the wrong way. I'm shutting off. It's just ridiculous, you know? I did electrical work. Plumbing doesn't work. But I know I have one last resort, but I don't want to pull the trigger. It's ask Papa to help with this thing. Ask Joe Vec if I need help. But I know if I ask him, there goes my Saturday afternoon. Like, there's no quick thing with Joe Vec. I know he's up here. I'm going to make him coffee. He's going to pull stuff up. He's clean my tool. Ask me if I'm labeling my tools. Like, it's going to be a fiasco. But I said, you know what? I'm, I'm making the call. I said, Papa, I need you to help. So, of course, he came up. I told him a half an hour later, he made it up the stairs. <laughs> And I said, Papa, what do you think about this? Can I fix this? He said, no problem. I got this. And I'm not lying to you guys. There was one little piece that comes out that you don't know about that comes out right under the handle. He said, I think I got a few of those. I do not make this stuff up for comedic purposes. He went downstairs. He comes back up. He has 15 individually wrapped, marked with a permanent marker. I don't know if they were dated, but I wouldn't put it past them. He says, Joey, I've been saving this for this. I said, you've been saving 15 of these little valves to put in? Yeah, it saves us money. Nathan says, hallelujah. I'm not kidding. It took so long, guys. I don't even know when we started. We might have started on Friday. I don't know when we started this job. But I said, I'm going to be patient because I learned from the Bush incident. And I just enjoyed the whole thing. And he took it out. 
and he did it, and I waited. I wasn't irritated. We enjoyed coffee. He did everything right, and I knew this was going to happen, but he started taking other stuff off. You got a family member like that? Like, Joey, this is how you clean the head of the faucet. And I'm like, it's Saturday. No, but he cleans it out, and so we went through the whole ordeal with this faucet, but I actually enjoyed it, and at the end, I didn't spend any money. Papa used it. It was unbelievable. That's the fruit of patience. You get to see if you're willing to wait, you get the reward of waiting. And God can make you a very patient person. 12 years ago, I wouldn't have made the call. It would have been dripping. I would have gotten mad. I would have, Papa, forget the 15 things. Like so many things would have happened. But when you're patient with someone, it also rewards them. They get to be part of your life. They get to do stuff. They don't feel like every time you're around them, you're irritated with them. There's nothing worse than feeling like that, right? When I'm going around this person, they're going to be fed up with me again. That's a horrible feeling. Or you feel like you're walking on eggshells. Like, what mistake am I going to make? That's not a good feeling. And when we show patience, we, we show off Christ. And that's just, you know, a few parables of the Vec for you today. But you want to stick around for these things. When we do, and I, I was even thinking today, because we're a church that's about six years old now. We started with 15 people in a backyard. We used to meet at Nazareth. Remember, guys? We set up 200 chairs. We put them down. It was beautiful chaos, creative chaos, which God has been doing at Restoration Road. But one of the things that I've been able to and Dave's been able to and we've all been part of, I've seen a lot of you baptized. I've, even the ones that have been baptized, I've seen a lot of you growing. And I see how you were three, four, five, six years ago, and I'm amazed that I get, God allows me to look into your lives and see God's work in your life. Amen? I know you guys. And that's, you know, Eugene H. Peterson, when they asked him at the end of his life, he was in his 80s, he served as a local pastor for 30, 40 years. They asked him, they said, what do you miss the most? He said, I miss the intimacy that people let me into their lives. And I'm just so grateful that I get led into your lives because I get to see God's patience towards you. I get to see God's patience worked in you, and I get to see him making you into who you're called to be. And that's one of the wonderful privileges of my life. But you guys are not the same because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because your God is patient. Let me give you a few ways of how to cultivate patience in our lives. The first one is stay planted where God plants you. Stay planted where God plants you. You can never grow in patience if you're not learning to deal with the same people in your life. You can never grow in patience unless you're under the same conditions over and over again, loving the same people in the same locale where God calls you. You know, I was walking, you know, I saw this beautiful beech tree this week. I wouldn't know it was a beech tree until Micah told me it was a beech tree. I called it a birch. I'm ridiculous. I don't know. I'm a city boy trying to learn country things. But this thing was huge. It was beautiful. I mean, just feeling the thing and looking at it. I'm like, how did it get here? Look, everything else was a different tree, but this, this beech tree was so high. And I'm like, how did it grow this big? It's so strong and magnificent. It was planted there years and years ago. 
And it took years and years for that tree to grow strong and magnificent under storms, under, when it was good seasons, when it was bad seasons, when, in different times of life. But that tree stayed planted through everything that it was brought through to now I stood back and on. I said that's strong and magnificent to the glory of its creator. I want us to see ourselves as trees planted by the gospel like Psalm 21, David prays, make me a tree planted by the waters that I might grow, and, and I'm adding a little here, but trees do so many beautiful things. You can eat of its fruit. You can sit under its shade. You can do so many wonderful things. God wants to make you a tree planted by the water of the gospel, planted where he plants you so you can love the people in your life over and over again through every season. There's, there's you know, one thing I, I've seen all the time. I remember I realized this about 15 years ago. Actually, I was a lot younger. It hit me as a kid, and I remember this one person. They were always moving, and this wasn't part of the message. This just popped in my head, so I want to share it for somebody. They were always moving, and they thought if they moved to a new location that it would deal with their problems. But the problem was they were there every time they moved. I remember being a teenager and saying, this person doesn't see it, but this has nothing to do with the locale and changing places. This has to do with who they are as a person. And what God wants to do is he wants to plant you where he's calling you to be planted so that he can make you a tree strong and magnificent to show off his glory when it comes to patience. Amen. And I'm not, I want to temper that with, of course, God calls people to move sometimes and this and that. I want to temper that. But I also feel today, I believe, that that's important to stay with patience. When we stay in our marriages, when we stay in our friendships, when we stay in our churches and love people who are hard to love, when we stay even at jobs that call, God calls us to that are hard and our coworkers are driving us crazy, when we stay where we're planted, God can do wonderful things and work in patience in our life. Amen? Secondly, this is kind of an action step. I want you to pick one person in your life to be persistently patient with. One person. You say, I'm going to be so patient with this person, they won't be able to handle it. And write it down on your heart. And know this. You're so frustrated to think about that person right now, right? Driving me crazy. I gotta be patient. You're on someone's list too. They're writing you down on their heart. I'm telling you, that's how it works. That's why our Savior said, look at the two by four in your own face. Because spiritually, we all got them strapped to our eyes right now. So I want to say this in closing. And just. Just one more thing on that last. When you choose that person to be patient with, pray for them. Suffer with them. Let them know that you love them. Let, let them know that you're not going to be irritated when they're around you. Let them know that you love their company. Do those kind of things. Choose that one person and be patient. In conclusion, the most important thing to cultivate patience in our life is to cultivate a regular daily rehearsal of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
We can only be patient, and we only know that patience is something that we should aspire for because Christ died for our sins. Like I said, the cross is an emblem that God in his person is absolutely patient with us. Patient with every one of our sins. And not only patient for the early part of your life, or patient for the middle of your life, or patient for the latter of your life, patient for your whole life. I'm telling you, you will never frustrate God out of loving you. You are not going to hit 70 years old and God's going to say, that was enough patience. This person's driving me crazy. There's a wonderful prayer that David prayed with the heart of God when he was roughly 70 years old. He was an older man. He said, Lord, do not forsake me as I have gray hair and I get older. He was making sure in his heart to rehearse that God is still patient with me. He's forgiven the sins of my youth. He's forgiven the sins of my middle years. He's going to forgive the sins of my latter years, and he's going to usher us all through his patience in the kingdom of God because of the blood of Christ. And that's why we can be patient and long-suffering, because God is long-suffering with us. The cross of Christ declares it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a good, good Father patient in all your ways. We declare with your own declaration of yourself that you are merciful and you are gracious, that you are slow to anger and that you're rich in love. And we bank our whole lives on your person. We thank you for your cross, Lord. Jesus, your work never gets old to us. It's fresh today that you died for our sins according to the scriptures. I pray that everyone here in the RR family knows that every one of their sins are paid for and that you are perfectly patient with us and you love us in your scripture state. You will complete the work that you started in us. You have called us with a purpose. And once again, your word proclaims you have not only saved us just to save us, but you saved us to bear much fruit and do good works in this world. For your glory, Lord. I pray that we will grow in patience, Lord. That one that we thought of, help us to be patient with them. Help us to bear that fruit of the Spirit, to be long-suffering, Lord. Any suffering we endure, any emotional stress, it pales in comparison to what you endured on your cross. Help our patience to shine forth because of your grace towards us. Cause the fruit of this, your Spirit to ripen in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Cause those to just bear fruit in us so others will be loved, so we will feel the joy and the peace that comes with that, and so we'll be living sacrifices that even through the, through the way we're patient with others, that we're showing off at your glory and their acts of worship to you, Father. Help us, Father. We need you to do this work in us. Amen.